Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcasts. I've had so much fun doing them. I only wish that I'd started recording my lacrosse conversations like 25 or 30 years ago. Now, if you like these podcasts, you will love the content I've created in the JM3 coaches training programs and the academies. Whether you're a coach or a player or a parent, there's so much great information for you guys. I've done this content for men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse for box lacrosse, field lacrosse, youth lacrosse. And the great news is I've created a seven day free trial. So if you're tired of endlessly searching the internet for great content, just go to www.jm3sports.com slash free trial. And you can get access to all of the content I've created for free for seven days. Trust me, when you take a look at it, you're gonna want more. Almost everybody gets hooked. All right, enjoy the rest of the podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the in-season podcast with PLL head coach Andy Towers, who is currently on vacation down in Miami and uh, on a perpetual weekend. AT, how are we doing today? Uh, Good. uh, It's a little early, but it's warm out down here. I was dancing all night. Really, it's good. Really? Sounds great. Get real dark down here real fast. Yeah. Well, um, at least you're down in the nice weather, enjoying a little February break. Uh, I am currently in Denver and there's snow everywhere and I'm over it. Yeah. I, I don't have the good news that not living in Vermont anymore. I don't go into uh, Dan and Wits to buy a three day old New York post and have people say, let it snow. <laughs> Didn't you describe everybody that lived up there? that basically looked like they, they came from a far side cartoon? Well, yeah, it was like, uh, you think the weather's cold until you meet the people. <laughs> I'll never forget like going into Danowitz and it was like minus 16 degrees to get a New York Post. I literally left my truck running for, I don't know, 38 seconds. And when I came out, uh, somebody was attacking me for leaving my car running and I was like, I gotta get out of here. I like tall buildings and dark bars. I, I don't like hiking and endurance sports and getting chastised for leaving my car running for under a minute to get a New York Post. No, thank you. <laughs> That's why you would just consider yourself an endorsement. I'm a true endorsement. There's no question about it. Well, huge night in lacrosse last night. And today, uh, given the fact that we delayed our show until Wednesday, uh, turned out to be a really smart move. You know, I mean, I know we did it because you're on vacation, but really Tuesday night's games were unbelievable in the way they shook up the rankings and the way teams uh, won some big games and lost some big games. It's early, so it doesn't matter that much, but uh, let's get started um, with uh, your top 20. Number 20, one and one UMass. Yeah, I got UMass in there. Uh, you know, after the first week where they got blown out by Army 17 to four, it was going to be tough to put them in, but obviously they bounced back. I'm not surprised. Greg Canellick got his guys uh, focused, and they uh, they came back, played with a vengeance, and knocked off a ranked Ohio State team 9-7. I- I'm not surprised by this, but given the fact that they played two top 20 teams and they're one and one I feel good with them at 20. Yeah, I mean, it didn't look so good when they got hammered by Army, but then coming back and, you know, two things. One, Army – absolutely hammering Rutgers, who I thought was going to be solid at the very least, and then coming back in, in, in with a big win over Nick Myers and the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, proves that they're, they're definitely legit. But, you know, there's a lot of teams that are legit. And let's talk about number 19 Army that was up into the top 10 um, this week after, the, after their uh, uh, Rutgers win, and then they lose a rough one. And they got kind of hammered, giving up like what, 17 goals or something to Marist. Yeah. You know, I had Army, when, when the poll came out on, uh, on Monday, I had Army as arguably four 
you know, given the fact that they had blown out UMass, blown out Rutgers, two teams that I had, you know, in the, in the preseason top 20, two very good programs every single year. And then sure enough, um, Black Tuesday comes and Army is one of those ranked teams that just had a violent violence Tuesday night um, and not in their favor. And, and they got thrashed by Marist 17 to nine, but it doesn't change the fact that they do have two really good wins over teams that I think are going to be in the top 20 by the end of the year. And so Army at three and one and 19 with wins over UMass and Rutgers and a loss, albeit a big one to Marist, I, I feel all right with them at 19. Yeah. And you know, Marist, who knows? I mean, Marist might be the real thing. You know, they might be a top 20 team. Uh, we kind of assume they're not because of their conference, but um, they've been very quietly building a program that's been solid. And then the other thing is, is, you know, Army was looking forward to their Syracuse matchup this weekend, which is going to be massive. Um, and they could put themselves right back into, uh, into the top 10 if they, if, they, if they execute the way they probably think they can against Syracuse this coming week. Well, no question. And, and as you said, um, this may end up not being a bad loss. I mean, Maris, with this type of win, you know, are, are we seeing sort of the 2020 or 2020 version of, of High Point, a team that, you know, was kind of on the verge and had some big wins in the past. But this is a huge win with the start that Army uh, has had for, for Maris to beat them as badly as they have. So Maris now has a win over Army 17-9. to they do have a loss to Richmond, 13-11, but that's not a bad loss at all. They've played two top 20 teams. They're one and one, pounded uh, the higher ranked team, and they lost by two to Richmond. So I have Marist at 18, uh, just ahead of Army. So, um, yeah, you just went over that. So um, any other thoughts on Marist at 18? No, I, I think that you touched on their conference. You know, nobody's going to compare that conference to the ACC or the Big Ten. And so you got to believe that with this early season success against two top 20 uh, teams that you think that Maris is probably the front runner to win their conference championship. And if, if that's the case, this isn't going to end up being a bad loss for Army, even though it is shocking in week three of the season. So let's talk about number 17, Richmond, two and one. Um, Richmond, I mean, Dan Shamati is just year after year. He's just doing an unbelievable job, makes the – NCAA tournament in year one and last year you know when it was clearly high point you know uh it, it, as as just the darling of the polls in many ways as well as everyone's rooting for him as well as a hell of a team with two of the best wins in division one lacrosse against Virginia and Duke and Richmond gets it done and goes back to the NCAA tournament and here they are again really um playing well and I don't want to even say overachieving. They're just achieving. Yeah. Dan Schumacher's done a great job. There's no question about it. Um, you know, look, they're, they're two and one. They have a two goal win over Maris, which is shaping up to be a good win. Um, and we'll see how, how, how Maris season continues to evolve, but that could end up holding off as, as a top 20 win. They beat Navy who uh, they beat them 12, nine last night. And I think Navy, uh, you know, it's a team that's going to win some games and contend in the Patriot League as well. And they have a one-goal loss to Maryland. And they were up, what, five goals in the fourth quarter and ended up not being able to hold on, which, yeah. you know, Maryland does that to teams. They certainly did it to Penn on Saturday. Um, but at 2-1 and one with wins over Marist and Navy and a, a one-goal loss to Maryland, 17, it seems to be the right spot for them right now. All right, number 16, the Penn Quakers, 0-1 coming off. A, uh, a loss to Maryland in which they really could have won that game. Yeah, I struggled putting Penn at 16. Uh, you know, frankly, I think that Penn has all the pieces to win the national championship. They got an unbelievable face-off guy. They've got a marquee midfielder in Sam Hanley. They have an offense that moves the ball really, really well. They're a great shooting team, uh, you know, as, as 15 goals against one of the traditionally one of the better defensive teams in the country in Maryland. Um, you know, and I think Patrick Birkinshaw is going to be a strength for this Penn team over the course of the season. But in the Maryland game, he was not. He didn't, he didn't have a great save percentage. I think he ended up with nine saves and 17 goals allowed. And they had an atrocious fourth quarter. But through three quarters, they were up, what, 15-9 or close to it three, through three quarters. And uh, I thought for sure that Penn was going to end up 
closing this out with an easy win. But credit Maryland, they came back and and uh, scored eight straight goals, won and won the game. I just I just find it hard to rank Penn higher than 16, given that they haven't won. They're all in one, and even though they played great for three quarters, they played terrible for one quarter. And even though I've ranked them at 16 and feel good about it based on their body of work one game, uh, you know, this is a team that I expect to finish in the top eight and ultimately be there, I think, in the final four this year. Yeah, they look pretty sharp for 15 days into their practices. You know, I mean, the way that they're playing on both sides of the ball. And, you know, it's funny, last week we were talking about whether you – whether you're going to, you know, it's the advantage to not be scouted or the advantage to have more practices and games under your belt. And there's really no right or wrong answer there. But there, there are those that will say the, one of the biggest improvement jumps is between game one and game two of a season. And I would expect Penn to bounce back here between and, and, and get much better once they have this real thing under their belt. They know they can do it. They've got the talent. And, and let's, let's face it, they're well coached, no question. Yeah, they're very well coached. I, I, I do think that, you know, you can see the impact of Kyle Gallagher at the X for Penn. For three quarters, he dominated the X. And when he was dominating the X, Penn's offense could not be stopped. And then for whatever adjustments that Justin Shockey and the Terps made uh, down the stretch, they won the majority of the faceoffs. And Maryland showed that they couldn't be stopped. But I think the key to Penn's success, like a lot of these teams, is consistent success at the X. And if Penn gets it, and I expect that they will because they have, in my opinion, the second-best face-off guy in the whole country, um, you know, that's why I expect them to be there. But, uh, you know, this loss, this tough loss for Penn may end up being <laughs> a thorn in Duke's ass this weekend when they, when they get them in Durham. All right, number 15, Villanova, with a massive 13-12 win over Maryland last night. Yeah, no one's played a tougher schedule than these guys have to date. You know, they've played the three – or three of the top five teams in the country um, in Maryland, Penn State, and Yale. And their record's one and two. And I didn't have them in the top 20, even though they'd played two great teams in Penn State and Yale going into yesterday's game versus Maryland. But sure enough, they did to Maryland what they've done to, you know, a top team seemingly every year for the last three, four years. And that's knock off a top five ranked team. And, and they did it yet again. Unbelievable. You know, after, after playing Penn State, losing 19 to 10, and then playing Yale eight, and losing 18 to 12, they come back just three days later and play Maryland and knock them off. Uh, wow. I mean, John Corrado and his staff, it's just unbelievable what they're able to do to play such a tough schedule. And to come out of the first three games at one and two, they'll take it. So given their strength of schedule, which is the toughest to date, and a big signature win over Maryland, which I had as a top four team, in last week's poll and two losses to, you know, two and three, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I got Maryland at 15 and deserve it. So. Number 14, Johns Hopkins, um, you know, looked good against Towson, but handled by Loyola. They really missed their marquee attackman. Thoughts on them? Yeah. You know, I, I think to be fair to Johns Hopkins, obviously, they don't have all the bullets in their gun yet. They've got, you know, certainly are certainly one of the best players in the country and, and absolutely one of the best attackmen in the country and Joey Epstein. And they, after exploding against Towson, which again, with Towson losing to Mount St. Mary's this past weekend, I'm not sure that we can count that win as a great win, even though we felt like it was a great win after they beat him in week one. Uh, you know, they struggle to score goals. They struggle to generate high quality shots against Loyola. And that can be linked to the absence of Joey Epstein. There's just no question about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Joey Epstein is a, is a five, six point plus player a game. And for him to not be in uniform, really, they struggled. They struggled on offense. And I thought that Hopkins would win this game based on the way that they played Towson and based on the way that Loyola had played Virginia the week before. And, you know, I've ranked them at 14 because I believe that with Joey Epstein, they are a team that's going to make some noise this year. I, I, I still stand behind that. Um, but they didn't look good 
especially on the offensive end on Saturday versus Loyola. But I still, again, I put him at 14 just because I, I feel like with Joey Epstein, this is a team that is going to, uh, is going to make some noise. So this, this, it's really tough to, to, to put together a responsible top 20 poll three weeks into the season. So we do the best we can, but you know, I have a 14. You're just working hard at it, AT. Well, I haven't been accused of being too hard of a worker in, your, in, in, in probably the first 40 years of my life. But during the last 11, I, I hopefully I've uh, changed the people's taste in their mouths that way. <laughs> um, number 13, Air Force. Yeah, Air Force 2-1. and one. Listen, they have a huge win over Duke down in Durham. Unbelievable. Um, and then they lost to Denver, which is not a bad loss. You know, they, they, they played three top-ranked teams, and they're 2-1 and one with a win over Denver and a loss to – I'm sorry, with a win over Duke and a loss to Denver. I mean, I, I could argue that Air Force maybe should be ranked a little bit higher. But given the triangle of Duke beating Denver, Denver beating Air Force, and Air Force beating Duke, just by score comparison, uh, I have Air Force ranked the lowest between those three teams at 13. And they had a sort of a squeak, a squeaky come from behind uh, win over Utah. Yeah, that was sleazy. Not, yeah, not to take anything away from Utah because you know they're in their second year and they're they frankly are doing an amazing job. Um, but you would expect a team uh, that a ranked. I feel like if Denver was playing them, they would win by six. You know, so that's the one. And you, I know we can't go by score comparisons entirely, but with three weeks into the season, there's not much else to go by. I don't disagree with you. You know, I was a little shocked that that game was closer than I thought it would be. But credit to Utah. They, they got a great coaching staff. They've been able to recruit some good players. And I think teams like Air Force that are, you know, on the younger side and coming off a big win, it's not shocking to see these teams, you know, play down to competition. And I'm not trying to throw Utah under the bus, but if you look at – Duke and Denver and Utah, certainly, you know, people would say that, uh, you know, Duke and Denver are the, are the real scariest teams given, you know, how long those respective coaches and their staffs have been there and the way they've been able to recruit. And Utah is coming on strong. I mean, I think they're improving at a rate that is uh, surpassed everybody's expectations. But, you know, to see that game be just a one-goal game was shocking to me. But, again, with a young team, uh, you know, playing against a formidable foe. I don't think Utah goes into the Air Force game wide-eyed in any way. And I think that Air Force playing Duke and then, you know, playing Denver, I, I just think that maybe they had a letdown in terms of focus and effort. Um, but who knows? You know, maybe, uh, maybe Utah is, is, is closer than we think, even though the program's not that old. All right, number 12, Denver. Uh, thoughts on the Pioneers? Yeah, this is always a scary game, a scary team. Uh, one and one, they have a win over Air Force, as we just discussed. Uh, they lost to Duke. You know, falling behind eight to two was not a good, was not a good situation for Denver. You combine that with the fact that Jordan Ginder was winning faceoffs for Duke at a great rate. It just made it hard for them to get back in the game. And even though it was fifteen to three, it always seemed like it was that three four goal cushion, and it was never really a situation where we thought that Denver was going to come back and, and, and beat Duke. Um, I thought Denver would win the game, to be honest with you. They played out in Denver. Uh, I thought Denver would have more success at the face-off X. Uh, you know, but falling behind 8-2 against a team like Duke, who's winning face-offs and is well-coached, just too, too much of a, of a hill to climb for the Pios. Um, but I don't worry about Bill Tierney, Matt Brown, and that team at all. Jack Hanna, a midfielder, had six and one against Duke. Um, and this kid is um, really kind of a dark horse, but I think he uh, might be one of the best midfielders in the country. Yeah, it seems like they always get players like that, that at least for me, you know, I, I'm not necessarily aware of until they get to Duke and they start scoring at a huge rate. And you think to yourself, you know, where do they pull these guys from? 11. Number 11, Duke. Yeah, you know, we just talked about sort of the, the, the triangle there between Duke, Denver, and Air Force. I have Duke at the top, given the fact that they beat Denver by two and Denver beat Air Force by six. 
even though Air Force beat Duke by one. I just felt like score comparison justified Duke being at the top of those three teams. Um, you know, I, uh, again, they got Penn coming to town this weekend. I think if Duke is able to hold serve and beat Penn at home, I can see Duke in the top five or six next week, depending upon what happens uh, to the other teams ranked ahead of them. And this is going to be a tough, angry Penn team. Uh, look for a great battle at the X between Jordan Ginder and Kyle Gallagher, two of the best guys at that skill in the country. I think that's going to be a big uh, determining factor in the outcome of this game. If Duke can win 40%, I think that they're, they're going to be in a position to win because I think the pressure is on Penn more than it is on Duke in this situation. However, Penn coming off a loss and Duke coming off a win, I, I can see Penn being a little bit hungrier this week in practice. And while it's going to be a close game, it wouldn't surprise me to see Penn going to Durham and knock them off. Loyola. Yep. This was, uh, this was easy to put them at 10. They've played a really tough schedule as well. They're one and one with a win over Hopkins at home and uh, a loss to Virginia on the road. I, I, I think that, Loyola every single year seems to do really, really well. And certainly that's because of Charlie and Dwani and, and Mark Mann and the staff is one of the very best staffs in the country. And they lose Pat Spencer. They need to figure out a way to generate offense. They go down to Charlottesville. They struggle for, you know, two, three quarters. They make an adjustment to a zone, gives them a few more offensive possessions. And they're able to, to, to outplay Virginia, I thought, you know, towards the last quarter and a half of that game. And even though they lost, I think they exited that game feeling pretty good about the direction they were headed. And sure enough, they play Hopkins, who's coming in 1-0 at home. Kevin Lindley scores four goals. They, they're winning faceoffs with Bailey Savio. Uh, Sam Schaefer plays great goal. I, I just I feel like this is a team that just continuously gets better and better and better every single year. Uh, I was really impressed with this when I thought Hopkins would beat him and Loyola proved me wrong. So Loyola at 10, I feel good. Number nine, Maryland. Yeah, Maryland, you know, what can you say about them? They've also played a really tough schedule. They have two wins, one goal win over Richmond, a two goal win over Penn. They have a loss to Villanova. You know, I'm not that surprised that there was a, a letdown versus Villanova after you know, the, the way that that Penn game played out to, to be behind six goals, losing faceoffs, going into the fourth quarter and to score eight in a row. I mean, wow, what a run. It just shows you how scary Maryland can be when they're hitting on all cylinders. If they're winning faceoffs, they're a really scary team because offensively, you're just not going to be able to stop this team. They have too many great players. Now you add in the freshman Maltz who scored five goals in this, this game against Penn. And this is a team that, you know, hard to think that they're not going to be in the final four down the stretch of the season. Um, but they certainly schedule these aggressive teams. And even though they lost to Villanova last night by a goal, I, I think the fact that they played such a tough schedule, have two high-quality top 20 wins over Richmond and Penn, maybe Maryland should be ranked higher. But I do have them at nine since they did lose to Villanova last night. Maryland is, seems to be a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde situation, even within the scope of a game, much less game to game. I mean, when I saw them scrimmaging Georgetown, and I know it was a scrimmage, they were hitting on all cylinders, and they shot 13 out of 21 in the first half and just, just handled a good, solid Georgetown team. Now, granted, again, it was preseason. It was a scrimmage. But then you kind of see them do the same thing within the scope of games, you know, whether it's coming back against Penn, coming back against Richmond. Um, so, um, I feel like if they can get that consistency, you're absolutely right. Their offense is really good. They share the ball. They've got great schemes and they, they've got Jared Bernhardt, who is top five player in the nation. Yeah. I, you know, what's shocking about Maryland to date is just the amount of goals they're giving up. You know, this is a team that, yeah. you know, year to year is regarded as one of the toughest teams, particularly on the defensive end every single year. You think of Maryland, you think of great hard-nosed defenders and, and defenses that hold you down. That's the way I've always thought of Maryland. And even though they have, you know, a loaded arsenal offensively up front, 
that shouldn't mean that defensively, you know, they're, they're, they're down. And yet the scores indicate that they got to figure out who they are on the defensive end to let up 13 versus Nova, 13 versus Richmond, 15 versus Penn. They're giving up too many goals in order to, to go on and, 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 do the things that they want to do, which is go and win the Big Ten and win the national championship. That's got to be their goals every single year. I'm sure it is. You know, but if they don't figure out a way to hold teams down better on the defensive end, they're, they're, they're going to struggle. I mean, that's, that's, they're going to struggle. And, and part of that is face-off success with Justin Shockey. Um, but part of that has to be defensive scheme, making sure everybody's connected on the defensive end, uh, you know, because they got to they, – they, their schedule is just too tough. Yeah. for them to be successful giving up, you know, 13, 14 goals a game. It's crazy, though. The shot clock era has changed things a little bit. It used to be, you know, defense wins championships, and now you're going to have to win a game 2019 sometimes. Very true. Number eight, Georgetown. Uh, you know, again, they've blown out two teams. They're 2-0. and uh, You know, I, I know – I just have a lot of respect for, for what Kevin Warren and his staff have done here. I think Georgetown is for real. Uh, you know, I have them in eighth or two and oh, they haven't played a tough schedule, but they're undefeated. And, you know, for a lack of additional data points, but the fact that they're undefeated, I have them in eighth. UMBC, I went to that game. Um, I, I expected more out of UMBC, honestly. Like, I mean, it, it could just be that Georgetown was, you know, really good. Um, and they, I think they are good, but. Um, but UMBC coming off a year where they made a big push at the end of the year, made the NCAA tournament, won the America East championship. They've got great – I love the things that Ryan Moran and Jamison Kessler are doing there. Um, and, um, you know, I just expected it to be like one of those games that was like you come out of it. Nobody in the country is giving you much credit for it, but you come out of it like basically, you know, by the skin of your teeth. Um, and um, Georgetown, you know, won faceoffs. Um, they played good defense. They played solid offense. And Jake Carraway is one of the best attackmen no one's talking about. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I thought this game would be closer. I think the Lax Vegas Lines guys had it as Georgetown minus three and a half. And, and I thought that – I thought it was a little low, but I hear you. You know, I, I could have seen this being a, a four-goal game. Um, you know, disappointed in, in, in the score – for sure, but I'm confident that UMBC will be back and be a threat to win the Emmys again. Number seven, North Carolina. Yeah, this is this is a spot that, you know, there's about five teams here between Q's Cornell, Notre Dame, UNC, and Georgetown. And I'm not sure Carolina isn't the best of those five teams. Uh, Chris Gray has changed this team. They just look like they're a threat to score at all times in transition. They look like they're playing with high energy on the defensive end and between the lines. Zach Tucci winning face-offs. They got good balance on offense. Uh, they got a proven winner in the goal in Caton Johnson. I, I, I think Carolina's for real. It's going to be interesting to see how this ACC season plays out. I think you got four teams that look like they're the real deal, and, and Duke – winning at Denver, again, you know, I, I said last week on the podcast, I expected Duke to finish last in the ACC, but they could easily go in and, and win the ACC, you know? It's just it's crazy how it works out. But I got Carolina at seven, and uh, I, I feel like that might be low. Well, they got plenty of time to uh, change that. Number six, Notre Dame. Again, you know, similar to Georgetown, similar to Carolina. They had a blowout win in week one. They started late relative to the other teams in the conference. Um, Want to know, this is, uh, you know, this is a scary team, but, but hard to tell exactly how scary they are. But I feel real comfortable with them at six. I know that um, – I know that they feel pretty good. You know, from what I hear, they're feeling pretty good about how athletic they are. Um, and, you know, when you just go out there and you just look at, at the power of athleticism all over the field, that has been Notre Dame's signature. Um, obviously, great defense has been a huge part of it, but they've just been – they've been more athletic than their opponents most of the time. And that's, that's why 
you know, when they're down and they're, they're, they seem out, they can come back and beat you because they can start cranking up their pressure ride situations. And all of a sudden their athleticism all over the field takes over. And, and, and the other thing I want to point out is one thing Kevin Corrigan doesn't get that much credit for, and this is absolutely true. If you ever go to his practices, their full field lacrosse ability and his ability to coach that the riding and clearing and transition elements of the game. Um, he is an absolute master. And when they're that athletic, um, watch out. They can beat anybody. Yeah, they, they – I mean, speed shrinks the field, right? It really does. And they just – man, it's, it's fun to watch them practice when they do that. When they, when they, the way they put that emphasis, it's no surprise when you see them uh, on a Tuesday preparing for a Saturday. Um, okay, so we got number five, Cornell. Yeah, I watched them play Albany on Saturday, and they looked – really dangerous um you know i thought the game would be much closer than it was but cornell is getting a lot of face-off success out of their freshmen and they've got a goalie that is is making the saves that they need to make offensively they play with a lot of boys i mean jeff boys i mean jeff boys jeff t seems to seems to make everyone relaxed uh he is really impressive but I, I like Piatelli a lot as well, and I just think this is a team that uh, plays a unique style of offense. They're they're a great tight passing team. You know, I, I don't know if there's a team that passes much better from like, you know, six to eight yards than this Cornell team. They always they make the extra pass, and and they just uh, they're a scary team. If they're winning faceoffs and they're getting goaltending, this is a team that can certainly uh, be a threat to make it to the Final Four. Number four, Syracuse. Yeah, I think that they've continued to hold serve versus a really weak schedule. I think that they've got talent all over the field. They're playing harder. Uh, they're playing with some swagger. We're going to find out about Syracuse on Sunday when they play Army. Uh, Army coming off this loss to Maris might be bad news for Syracuse because, you know, Army plays hard. They back down from that one. They play for 60 minutes. They've got a dangerous offense. You know, if they can win face-offs, uh, you know, I can see this being a really, really good game. I think Syracuse, though, will win the face-offs. I love their face-off guy, and uh, they may have too much for Army, but we're going to find out Sunday. Number, number three, Yale coming off a win at Villanova. Uh, I watched this game, and, you know, Yale looks just like Yale did last couple years. You know, the way that they move the ball – you know, they're winning face-offs. Uh, they got their 10-man ride going. They play solid defense. Um, I wouldn't call it impenetrable defense, but they're, but they're good and solid, and their offense efficiency combined with their face-offs makes them a hard team to beat. Yeah, they're extraordinarily balanced. Uh, you know, they've got consistency in the goal. They're the best face-off guy uh, in the college game right now. I think he was 23 for 31. You know, he wins 75% of his face-offs. And you have an offense that's very intelligent, doesn't beat itself. You've got lockdown defensemen. Uh, you know, this, this, is, this is a team that is, is right there. I, I, you know, they may be the best team in the country. I don't know. Um, but, again, them at three, they might be one. They might be two. They might be four. But I feel like three um, with a win over Villanova, it was, it was a close game. It was 11-11 at one point, And then Yale – pulled away at the end to win by six, which is, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think that score was reflective of just how close of a game this game was with Villanova. But I like him at three. Number two, Penn State. Yeah, this team is, uh, is loaded. And you could argue that they're the best team in the country just by optics alone. When you watch Grant Amen and you, and you, you watch O'Keefe shoot and – uh, the success of Gerardo, Siri, and X. I, I, I feel like they've got so many weapons on the offensive end. And they got, they got all the pieces. You know, they do. They've got all the pieces. I'm not sure that defensively they are uh, at the same level as Virginia and Yale and Syracuse. But offensively, they may be the best. Um, you know, they're a little top-heavy and in, in statistically on the offensive end with Amen and O'Keefe. So we're going to see what happens as teams – 
you know, certainly prepare their game plans to stop those two guys and force the other guys to beat them. We'll, we'll find out more about this team. But just based on the gaudy numbers that their offense is putting up and what they return, um, you know, two is, is the right spot for them. Great game. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, listen, they play Yale this weekend. So, so we're going to find out. Um, yeah. You know, Yale's going to have to win the face-offs, which I think they will. Certainly they did last year when they played during the regular season. TD Ireland won 25 out of 31 against Arcieri. And if he's able to replicate that kind of success, I just don't think there's any way that Penn State can win the game. But if Arcieri can keep it, you know, with, uh, you know, if, if he can win 40-plus or 45-plus, then I think that Penn State has a good chance to knock Yale off. But, but they can't get – they can't get beat up to, to the tune of 80% and expect to beat Yale. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Nobody can. That's the problem. Nobody. <laughs> um, all right. So, number one, Virginia. Um, I watched their Lehigh game, the re recording of it last night. I hadn't gotten a chance to check it out yet. Um, and, uh, man, I'm so impressed with them. I, I, I know that they haven't looked great against a zone. I, I think they will figure that out. But I, I think their offense is better. I think they are so athletic defensively. I think they're more athletic defensively than they were. They just look it anyways. Um, and, um, you know, and I feel like they're just, they're, they're in building mode right now. Um, I love the way that they're running their offense and the way they're using Peyton Cormier and Michael Krause in two-man games on one side while there's a three-man game going on the other side. Oftentimes, Laviano is just flashing into the middle wide open. And then they've got Matt Moore as a hang up guy at X and he's just a beast. And everywhere you turn, there's another guy with a different skill set. That's what's so interesting about them is that they're, they're not all the same player. They're, they've got, they got six different guys, but they're all, they're all elite in their own skill set. Um, and it's just really interesting to watch them play. It is to me, Virginia is, is, is absolutely the number one team in the country. I don't know why the U.S. style A poll has Penn State ranked ahead of them. Penn State hasn't played anybody ranked. And while they put up gaudy numbers and offensively, you know, they're really fun to watch. Just the balance of the Virginia team, as you referenced, the athleticism of their defense, their offense is just terrifying. You know, I mean, the amount of stud players that they throw out in the offensive end is crazy. You know, I, I do credit Lehigh for playing them well. Uh, you know, they did win the faceoffs, And, you know, I think that, that that's the key in slowing any really, really strong offensive team down is, you know, win the faceoffs and control the offensive end and bury your shots. Um, and so I was a little shocked that this Lehigh game was as close as it was. Docs Aiken missed an open goal, you know, which would have made it a six-goal game at the end. So, you know, this four-goal deficit is a little deceiving in that respect. I don't think that Virginia was ever – uh, in danger of losing this game. Yeah. And while it looks like a closer loss than it, it was, you know, than it actually was, in my opinion, I do think the fact that Virginia's played two top 20 teams in Loyola and Lehigh clearly, um, you know, make them the number one team in the country coming off the national championship last year. You know, until Virginia loses, I'm going to have them locked in. So um, let's talk real quick. I know that you don't have Princeton in your top 20. Uh, I don't know if you watched that game last night. And I know Colgate Michael Sowers is, I mean, what a freak. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, you, you, hate to, you hate to compare these guys to anybody, but it's hard to look at his game and not compare him to Mikey Powell. Um, I don't know if he necessarily plays with the same recklessness that Mikey Powell played with, but he certainly has that level of lateral quickness and explosiveness and the same – vision you know there's his vision is every bit as good as Mikey Powell's vision um you know you, you, you can't get better than Michael Sowers's vision it's it's perfect so to speak right I mean I remember playing with Darren Lowe and you played with Darren Lowe up at Brown and you know I can say over the course of four years or three years playing with Darren that I honestly felt like he never missed me when I was open and, I, and I'm willing to bet that anybody that played with Darren during our time would say the same thing about him and I think that these players that are playing with Michael Sowers, you know, if they move and they're active, uh, he's going to pay them off. There's just no question about it. And I, and I think that if they can win face-offs, they're going to be able to Michael Sowers victories 
um, you know, and, and I'm not trying to diminish his supporting cast. Certainly he needs guys that can throw it in the goal and they were able to do that. But I don't think that there's a defenseman in the country that's going to be able to stay with Mikey Sowers. I just don't think that's going to be able to happen. So they're going to need, uh, you know, to figure out a way to, to make it hard for him to get the ball and, you know, whether they fall into a zone behind that guy. I don't know. I don't know, you know, how these guys are, uh, you know, going to plan for it. I can just tell you, I'm just glad I'm not coaching in the league anymore. and I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> well, I agree with you. I think uh, no one's going to be able to guard this guy. Um, and I think the supporting cast, again, it, it's hard to tell um, because Colgate really hasn't, hasn't played that well. They played well in the first half last night, actually. Um, but then they kind of collapsed in the second half and they've given up a lot of goals. But, um, but I, they, they seem – Princeton seems more athletic than they have. They, they, seem, they seem athletic enough to run by people. Um, and uh, their freshman on the first Mithian line, Alex Flusher, um, is going to be a really nice player. I mean, he's smart. He, he, he's not playing like a freshman. He's playing, he's playing like a guy that has no problem drawing a double and throwing it to X, whereas a lot of freshmen are looking to jam it. Um, you know, so I think, I think they've got pieces. We'll see about the defense and the goaltending. Um, but, um, you know, I think, I think they're, uh, they're poised to make that run that they've been dying to make. Um, they got to get to the NCAA tournament for uh, Sowers. I'm, I'm with you. I think I, I, I'm a believer in them. I'm, I'll tell you, let's, let's not discount Brown either. Uh, they exploded yesterday against Sacred Heart, who's a, a well-coached team and has some good players. And, you know, they got arguably the best goal in the country in Phil Goss. And, you know, the Ivy League is going to be interesting. Dartmouth looks like they're better. Um, you know, and certainly we haven't seen Harvard play yet, but it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what Jerry Burns does on that front. I do expect them to be, uh, you know, more dangerous than they've been in years past. Maybe it's still a few years away, but as we know, Harvard always has great players and great talent. And if Jerry can create a culture where everybody is, uh, you know, team first and program first, there's no reason to think that they can't contend. So I think we're looking at uh, a really exciting year in the Ivy League. The other notable game is St. Joe's with a huge one over Delaware. Delaware was looking like a team that was going to, you know, maybe crack a top 10 and definitely a top 20, and they still may. But, but St. Joe's, credit to Taylor Ray uh, to get his team ready to play that game. Yeah, Taylor, Taylor Ray's a great coach, man. You know, listen, this is not a team that's going to be reloading every year, St. Joe's, but it seems like, you know, about every three years they come in and they, and they have a really, really good season. Um, and that this may be a signifier that this is another year where St. Joe's is not to be taken lightly. This is a huge win, uh, you know, versus a Delaware team that was ranked in the, you know, the top 20. I think Quint had them as high as, I don't know where Quint had them, but, you know, this is a team that people are expecting to potentially go and win the CAA this year. So uh, a huge win for St. Joe's, no question about it. All right, here come the picks. Okay. Canisius at Hartford. I got Hartford. Delaware at Monmouth. Delaware. Rutgers at Loyola. Loyola. UMBC at Mount. I think UMBC is going to bounce back and beat Mount St. Mary's after after their big win versus Towson, I think that uh, I, I got UMBC to bounce back. Manhattan at Wagner. Uh, I got Manhattan. Boston University at Bellarmine. I got BU. Princeton at Virginia. Wow, man. Uh, this is going to be interesting. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to take Virginia because I think they have too much and I think they're too complete of a team to lose to uh, <laughs> to Mikey Sowers and crew. But I expect Princeton to put up some goals. Hampton at Mercer. I got Mercer. Marquette at Detroit. You know what? Um, Marquette's, Marquette's been disappointing through the first three weeks. I'm going to take Detroit. Fairfield at Georgetown. Great win for Andrew Baxter. I was really happy for him. Um, you know, for Stony Brook to win his, his first game as a head coach, that's awesome. Hard to do, and, and he was able to do it. But I think Georgetown has too much. I don't think Georgetown loses these games anymore. I got Georgetown. Lafayette at Binghamton. I got Lafayette. 
Lehigh at NJIT. Lehigh. Ohio State at Bucknell. I'm going to go with Bucknell. I do think Ohio State's going to bounce back. Uh, and I think that their loss to UMass is not great news for Bucknell. But I love what uh, Coach Federock and offensive coordinator Ryan Danahy are doing at Bucknell. They seem to be connected on the offensive end. They got a great face-off guy in uh, Cravato. And they're always organized on the defensive end. They're 3-0. I'm going to go with Bucknell. Bryant at Dartmouth. Uh, wow, that's tough. I, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Brian. Brian had a great win this weekend. Who did they beat? BU, fifteen to ten. Is that who they just beat? Yep. Yeah, I, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take Brian. QPAC at Vermont. I got Vermont. Navy at Maryland. Uh, I think Navy plays them tough, but I do think that Maryland's uh, bounces back after their loss to Villanova. Yale at Penn State. Wow, man. I, you know, I think that TD Erland's going to be going to be too tough. I, I have to go all in on TD Erland and Yale until uh, until I see him get beaten. Uh, so I'm going to take Yale in this game. St. John's at LIU. I got St. John's. Brown at Stony Brook. I got Brown. North Carolina at Hopkins. Got North Carolina. Merrimack at Michigan. Michigan. Colgate at Hobart. Hobart. Harvard at UMass. Uh, wow. This could be an interesting game. Jerry Byrne playing against his alma mater. First game as the Harvard coach. UMass is going to be their third game after coming off a great win against Ohio State. I'm going to take Jerry Byrne and Harvard. Drexel at Albany. I'm going to take Drexel. I didn't like the way Albany looked on the versus their game versus Cornell. And Volks lost a tough one-goal game to Torp. Uh, I think that that's going to – I think both teams are going to have, you know, a shitty taste in their mouths. But I feel like Drexel has, uh, has a little more talent across the board. So I'm going to say Drexel. Cleveland at Air Force. Air Force. Providence at St. Joe's. Wow, that's going to be a tough game, too. You have two coaches doing a really good job, and Taylor Ray and Chris Gabrielli. PC looks looks like they're the real deal. Um, I, I, even though St. Joe's just knocked off Delaware, I, I, I can sense a little bit of a letdown and then not having the same amount of respect for PC as they did for Delaware. So I'm going to say that PC wins that game in a letdown game for St. Joe's, and I don't mean that as a knock on PC and that they wouldn't be able to beat St. Joe's when they're at their best. But I do think that St. Joe's is going to have a slight letdown. So I'm going with Gabs and PC. Nova at Hofstra. Wow. I'm going to go with Hofstra in that game. Uh, you know, for, for sort of the same reasons. I mean, a huge win by Villanova. And I just feel like, you know, they, they are the classic uh, – play up, play down team. And Hofstra, I thought, looked pretty good against Michigan. I watched a lot of that game last week. And even though Villanova had a great win against Maryland on Tuesday, I do think there's going to be a little bit of a letdown. And I'm going to take Hofstra. Furman at Utah. Utah. Penn at Duke. Wow, this is another tough one. I think Penn's going to win the faceoffs. Um... But I do think it's going to be a great battle between Jordan Ginder and, and Kyle Gallagher. But I, I was really, really impressed with Penn. I think that Penn is the team that played the first three quarters against Maryland, not the last quarter. I think that uh, Patrick Birkinshaw is going to bounce back and they're going to get a great performance out of him in the goal. And they're going to, they're going to end up winning the majority of the faceoffs. I just think Penn has too much offense for Duke. And I think that their offense versus Duke's defense – is going to be uh, more successful than Duke's offense versus Penn's defense. So I've got Penn in this game. St. Bonnie's at Denver. Denver. UMass Lowell at Siena. I got UMass Lowell at Stevenson. Bobby Moe at Jacksonville. Uh, I got Jacksonville. Richmond at Notre Dame. It's a good game. I mean, it's a really good game. 
Richmond playing well. Uh, Notre Dame with their first test of the year. Notre Dame's going to have it broken down. They're going to know who Richmond is. Uh, playing at, at Notre Dame, playing in South Bend is always tough. It's like playing at Cornell. Uh, but Richmond brings a veteran lineup, and they've played Maryland really tough. They had them dead in the water. They got a win over Marist, which I think uh, is going to hold up for them. I'm going to go off the board, and I'm going to say I think that Richmond beats upsets Notre Dame. I think Richmond beat Notre Dame last year, didn't they? They might have. High point at Cornell. You know, I really want Torp to win this game. I just think that Cornell has too much. And I think with Cornell winning faceoffs, no one's going to stop their offense. I, I don't, you know, I don't care who they're playing. I don't think anybody's going to stop Cornell's offense. I got to take Cornell in this. St. Bonnie's at Air Force. Air Force. Army at Cuse. You know, I, I think the Army is the team that, that beat UMass and beat Rutgers, um, not the team that, that got blown out versus Marist. I think Army always gets fired up for this game. And I think that even though Cuse is 2-0, they played a soft schedule, and they struggle in games like this, I'm going to take Army in this game. And last, Cleveland at Denver. Denver. Well, AT, thanks for taking the time and uh, putting together your top 20 and giving us all your opinions and insights and predictions. Um, enjoy your, the remainder of your week down in Miami, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Always great to hang. Check in. See you, brother. How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcasts. I've had so much fun doing them. I only wish that I'd started recording my lacrosse conversations like 25 or 30 years ago. Now, if you like these podcasts, you will love the content I've created in the JM3 coaches training programs and the academies. Whether you're a coach or a player or a parent, there's so much great information for you guys. I've done this content for men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse, for box lacrosse, field lacrosse, youth lacrosse. And the great news is I've created a seven-day free trial. So if you're tired of endlessly searching the internet for great content, just go to www.jm3sports.com slash free trial. And you can get access to all of the content I've created for free for seven days.